Peter Hill Explains, where I invite you to join the science teaching conversation with me about Chapter 2 of the Franks, The Settlement of the Barbarians. <coughs> Political conditions Gaul on the, of Gaul on the accession of Clovis, the uh, Kingdom of the Franks, the Roman province, settlements of the barbarians, the Burgundians, the Visigoths, Surrender of Southern Gaul to the Visigoths. So that's a that's sort of an interesting um, aspect of this rather well-written book. It's from a long time ago, and so some of the words uh, I should know, but it's not common use nowadays. Okay, uh, that's what it is. Before we enter upon the eventful reign of Clovis, it will be convenient to consider the condition of Gaul before the commencement of his conquests. It was divided into four, if not five, independent states. First, the Frank dominions. They were divided into Cilician and uh, Ripurian kingdoms. And these again subdivided according to Teutonic custom of dividing the possessions of a father amongst his, all his sons. But the divisions being all united in one general annual assembly of the whole people. And usually acting together in great undertakings of general interest may be regarded as one state. Northern Gaul, um, from the Somme westward to the Atlantic, the uh, from the Channel southward to the Loire, uh, was still nominally a portion of the Roman Empire. It is a question whether the Amorakians, the Britannia, secluded in the hills and the forests and governed pa uh, patriarchal by the chiefs, continued to regard the prefect of Gaul as the head of their government. But, at least, no acts of hostility had clearly defined them as rebels to the empire. Syringus, the prefect of Gaul, was one of the great families of the province. Um, his father, Agildus, and his grandfather, Atius, had filled the same high office before him. Perhaps a more ambitious man might have sought to make uh, this remnant of the Gallic province or what it's sometimes called by the historian the kingdom of Seragus. So it's, he, it wasn't a kingdom, it was just a prefect. The whole of central Gaul was divided between the Burgundians and the Visigoths. The Visigoths were bounded uh, on the side of Roman Gaul by the river Loire and to the east, uh, east by the Rome. The Burgundians were bound on the side uh, of Roman Gaul by the river Man and on the west by the Rome. The south of Gaul, where the Greeks had planted their language and civilization, which still lingered in Marseille and Arles, had only lately been abandoned by Odessa and seized by Uric. We should entirely mis uh, we should entirely misunderstand the condition of things if we suppose that the Visigoths in the southwest and the Burgundians in the southeast had conquered the people of these districts, seized upon their positions, and substituted their own governments, laws, institutions of those of the empire. The actual process by which these barbarians obtained their seats in Gaul and the conditions under which they held them are very curious, very interesting, and must be carefully considered if the whole history of the subsequent period is to be at all intelligible. The empire had long ago found out its weakness. In the absence of a warlike population from which armies could be drawn numerous enough and brave enough to defend the frontiers against the increasing pressure of the barbarians, and had begun to adopt the policy of enlisting the barbarians as allies against the barbarians. 
This was done in two ways. Bodies of Bavarians, Goths, Vandals, Franks, were enlisted into the armies as auxiliary troops, remaining under the command of their own patriarchal princes and chiefs, but receiving more or less Roman arms and discipline. Uh, the commanders of these bodies uh, of mercenaries held at twofold characters. They were usually the hereditary chiefs of their soldiers, and exercised among them not merely the authority of a military commander, but the rule of a native prince. Uh, to the empire, they were generals of the army, Romans in language and civilization, holding a distinguishable sociable, social position in right of their princely birth, and often attaining too high, attaining to high office and greatly influenced the state. The imperial history of these centuries supplies a long list of Goths and Franks who became so powerful in uh, tubulous times as to hold the fate of the empire in their hands, and in the last days of the Western Empire, their barbarian armies, like the Praetorians uh, of one earlier period, and the legions of another, uh, made and unmade emperors. Another way in which uh, the policy of the empire had sought to use the valour of barbarians as a defence was by planting colonies of them uh, here and there along the frontiers where they settled <coughs> and cultivated the soil. They became partly civilised and were ready to defend their own possessions and so acted as a bulk of, of the empire generally against the inroads of the barbarians from without. Illyrian, at the same time that he abandoned the Dacian territory of the Danube planted a colony of Dacians uh, on the hither side of the boundary of the river in uh, Moesia, M-O-E-S-I-A. Probus planted colonies of the Franks and other German tribes along the Rhine and the Danube. Constantine, the great general, pursued the policy of seeking to conciliate, to civilise, in the word, to Romanize the barbarians who were in contact with the empire. Valens allowed the Visigoths to cross the Danube and assign them the lands of Thrace. These facts must be borne carefully in mind in reading the history of the disruption of the Western Empire. They explain the attitude of the barbarians towards the empire and relations of the empire with the barbarians at that period. They explain how it comes to pass that the armies of barbarians obeying no one but their own chiefs receive imperial pay control a nominal, uh, and control their nominal master. They explain how whole tribes of barbarians come to be peacefully settled either in one body or on the frontiers or scattered over a province amongst the Latin inhabitants. And lastly, they explain how the tribes of barbarians who had invaded the empire and effected forcible settlements were dealt with on, a f uh, on the fiction that they were military colonists and allies of the emperor. These settlements uh, were more easily arranged because the barbarians, accustomed to a free life in the fields and the forests, did not care to inhabit the cities, towns or cities. All they desired was to settle in the open country. On the other hand, the Roman population was chiefly concentrated in the towns and cities, while the lands of the imperial treasury, lands still uh, unreclaimed, and perhaps sometimes the estates of great proprietors who, they had, been who had been slain, afford ample means of satisfying the barbarians. The settlement of the barbarians in Gaul was partly a result of one and partly a result of the other processes. When Jonavus, AD 411, usurped the purple, this is the, the uh, prefect, he engaged certain tribes of Burgundians in his service. 
and ceded them settlements in the district known as first or as the first or upper Germany, and on the defeat and the death of the usurper um, Horonus, the lawful emperor found it expedient to confirm the concessions to made, uh, made to the Bulgarians. They were a race of comparatively mild disposition who took quiet possession of the lands allotted to them. Um, well, it's interesting how they spell allotted a double l o double t e d to them, without inflicting wanton injuries upon the people amongst whom they were allocated. They were gradually spread over the whole of the two provinces watered by the Sone and Rome, uh, which still retained the national appellation of Burgundy. Burgundians. So I don't quite know how that happened. So there's the usurper, and they got kicked out. The history of the Visigoth settlement in Gaul is a longer and more interesting story and illustrates uh, very fully the aspects of relations of the barbarians and the empire. The Visigoths had already, in pursuance of the policy of Constantine, been Christianized and partially civilized while still in their seats beyond the Danube when, in the year AD 376, pressed by the migration of the Huns from the Scythian deserts, so the Scythians, the famous Scythian um, warriors, redheads, they obtained leave of Valens to seek refuge within the empire. A district was assigned to them in Thrace, where large tracts of fertile, uncultivated land afforded them desirable possessions. They still retained their national language and customs, and the hereditary chiefs of their tribes and families still ruled them in peace and commanded them in war. In return, they supplied a body of 40,000 auxiliaries for the service of the state. At the beginning of the reign of Horonus, Arik was commander of the Gothic auxiliaries, a prince of one of the noblest Gothic families, a warrior who had been learned the art of war under Theodorus, refused the post to which he thought himself entitled of the command of the Roman armies. He revolted with the Gothic contingents, and the whole of the Goths of Thrace broke out in rebellion and swelled his forces. It was not our business here to follow his history in detail. Everyone knows how he invaded Italy thrice and appeared before the walls of Rome, and uh, the third time he gave it up and, and to sack and pillage. After his death, his brother Adolf uh, succeeded him as king of the Goths, and, frankly, admitting that it was not possible for the Goths to undertake the task of administering the Roman world, he contented himself with obtaining large concessions from Horonus, married the emperor's sister Placida, who was his captive, resumed the title and attitude of an imperial general, and became one of the most powerful supporters of the imperial throne. He suppressed the usurper Jonas and Sebastian, in Gaul, he marched against the mixed multitudes of survey vandals and aliens who invaded Spain. Here he was assassinated, but his successor, Walia, completed the defeat of the barbarians and restored Spain to the obedience of Honorus. He and his warriors were rewarded by a grant of possessions in Aquitaine, the country between the Loire and the Ocean, and the Pyrenees whose inhabitants were celebrated amongst the Gauls for their wealth, their learning, and politeness of their manners. The successors of Alex fixed their royal residence in Thorlouse. When Osida, who had long been a virtual master of Italy, and had been made and unmade its emperors, at length deposed Augustalus in 476 AD, and under the decent pretext of 
um, being representative of the Eastern Emperor, exercised openly the power he had long virtually possessed. He thought he sought to secure the new state of things by friendly arrangements with the principal barbarians, whom were also interested in the fate of the empire. He con oh, consolidated his friendship with the support of Europe, king of the Visigoths by abandoning him to abandoning to him the Roman possessions of the south of Gaul. Arles and Marseille surrendered to the arms of Eric. Avenge, uh, where Vercingetrox had made um, the last stand against the conquest of Caesar, strong uh, in its volcanic peaks and wooded defiles, and in the spirit of the inhabitants, made a brave resistance, but was at length obliged to submit to Gothic rule. Eric had been 15 years the ruler of the Visigoths, and had still another seven years to rule when the death of Childeric the Frank left the boy Clovis, 14 years of age, his successor. So Clovis. Childeric is um, the Frankish king who was a real um, uh, sex machine, wasn't he? Okay, thanks a lot for listening. another story comes to a close it's been a pleasure sharing this moment in time with you may you discover truly amazing things understand them and tell others thanks for listening